All right, we're back with another episode of the Elite Seller Show. And today's amazing guest is a good friend of mine. This is Ian Page with Bullseye Marketing. I've known Ian for roughly about two years now, I would say, through a uh, private Amazon group with a mutual friend of ours. And I could say Ian is one of the most proficient Amazon launch experts that I've met in this marketplace. He obviously runs Bullseye Marketing. He is very proficient when it comes to Amazon. He's been on Amazon before. He knows what it takes to launch products. And in today's episode, we are definitely going to be talking about why product launching never actually ends. So with that being said, Ian, I'm going to let you take it off. Thank you, brother. And I, I forgot that I even wrote that, why product launches never end. And I was like, oh, that, that's got a very catchy feel to it. Who wrote that? And I was like, oh, I wrote that. And that's true. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How'd you get into the Amazon game? You know, I got in like a lot of people. I found, you know, I, someone on Facebook was like, I'm, I'm doing Amazon and here's a course and it helped me. And now I'm selling like millions of dollars and, you know, one success story. And I went, oh my God, I got to jump into this game. And that was like 2014. And I launched my own product on Amazon product line. I was in the health and household space. I sold braces, you know, back braces, leg braces, knee braces, all that kind of stuff. I found that period of my life, despite making some money, I found it to be an incredibly depressing period of my life being on Amazon. And that kind of goes into why I started this agency. Yeah. And how long have you been doing your business with Bullseye Marketing? So Bullseye Sellers, but you can call it marketing. It's fine. I don't really care. Bullseye Sellers is basically a 2018. We officially, we were helping people before then, but I officially became a business in 2018. Okay. I put my sign on the door. Yeah, that's when you put the sign on the door and you said, <laughs> come we're on, open, we're baby. Help you out. Come on in. So let's dive right into our main topic. Why do product ranking never end? Why does it never end? Because the Amazon game is just a game of ranking and converting. And that's all it is. Everything else is kind of secondary to that. If you're obscure, then you won't get any anybody to actually go into your listing and be able to convert anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you're in top five, top 10 position, you have a much better chance of getting more people to actually look at your listing and potentially buy your product. And then conversion is a whole nother end. Once they get there, do they actually like what they see? And are they actually going to buy it? But it all starts with getting out of obscurity. And that's what ranking is all about. And that never, ever, ever ends. Five years in, six years in, eight years in, 20 years in, you're going to be still trying to rank a product that you launched 20 years from now or 20 years ago. And that's yeah. just not going to change. And obviously ranking changes over time. People, are they're, they're definitely going to go up or down in that position on, on page for their particular keyword. How does one stay relevant when it comes to ranking? You have to look at your competitors. And I find it to be extremely painful when you're a seller to look at your competitors. Because mm -hmm. you're always finding things that they're doing a little better than you and you get that kind of jealous feeling. But you have to look at them. You have to on a maybe a monthly basis is good enough, maybe even weekly, but you have to take a look at what price they're selling at, their main listing images, how big is their jars compared to your jar? Are they doing two for one where you're only doing one? You just have to continue to look at the competition so that you can compare yourself objectively and say, Am I still competing in this space? Am I still competing for this keyword? Yeah. And obviously innovation over time is going to help you stay more relevant and obviously price points, reviews, things like that. So what would you say in your estimation of running your agency or being a service provider what would be considered a successful product launch strategy versus an unsuccessful product launch strategy? Investment financially would be number one. The, the game has changed. You can't come in with five grand anymore and think you're going to kill it like back in the day, right? So now I would say in order to successfully launch a product, even in a small category, with inventory, you need to have with the launch investment, you know, first for a third party service provider like us to help you with your launch product costs, giveaways, review acquisition, you're looking at probably on the low end, 25 grand, 25 grand, just a launcher product. 
low end. And that's across that's the including board. inventory. You are not going to do a successful launch in my estimation, which means crushing, like really coming out the gate swinging for less than 25,000. If you come in it with $3,000 of inventory and you're doing a little of this, you're dabbling a little of that, and you maybe get up to four or five grand out the gate, you're not giving away enough products to even rank. And if you don't give away enough product, how are you going to get your early stage reviews? So let's talk a little bit more about that, about product giveaways. What do you see as the most successful giveaway strategy to date? Because it's obviously changed over time, just like Amazon. But what do you see as the most successful way of doing it? Is that having private review groups? Is that using some kind of software or tool? Is that just individually reaching out to friends and family? How does that operate under your model? Under my model, I am biased. I've tried the mini check process. And I'm not going to say that people can't find success in the other ways. I really don't want to say that because that would be an egotistical thing to say mm-hmm. and a naive thing to say. But what I'm noticing is if you can have a closed audience that has been well-maintained and with high buyer quality scores, meaning they're not abused with their review, you know, outlay and all that. Mm -hmm. You can do a lot more quicker than trying to go through the broad Facebook kind of audience. That's kind of just anybody from anywhere. Now I'm not saying that with a system like, like what you just showed me with a lead seller or what people are doing. Like I see these um, other funnels out there, like boost rooster. I think it's one that I'm seeing a lot more and more. I'm not saying you can't have a successful launch, but I can assure you that if you went through a search find by closed group, like what we're doing, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot less time and effort put into it. <laughs> like you just literally, you just write us a check and I'm not even exaggerating. You literally just pay us and we handle the entire thing. We, we do it all. We do all the refunds for you. We handle all the, all the buyer questions. We handle the refunds with people. If there's something that shows up broken, any sort of customer support that comes in, we handle all of it. So I am a bit biased when you ask that question, of course. That's fine, man. That's okay to be biased about your own service and everything. You you you, you wouldn't expect any less, dude. Like, come on. (laughs) Now, uh, one thing I'd like to factor in, especially when it comes to rebate campaigns, is the concept of buyer quality score, right? So are are you basing yours based on the buying history of the person that's going through this? Are you basing them on your ability to actually leave reviews, how many reviews that they've actually left in the past? how long they've been on Amazon, things like that. Like all these little data points factor in over time. And obviously buying history on and off Amazon are very relevant when it comes to their ability to actually be able to fulfill these obligations. So number one is we, and I'm not saying this just to be PR and put Mm -hmm. myself in a good light. This is actually true. We do not sell reviews. We Mm -hmm. don't. If someone tries to send me, here's a couple thousand bucks. I want, I want you to get me X amount of reviews. I will turn down that. I will say, I'm not going to sell that to you because I did not sell reviews. The reason why we don't sell reviews is because it's short-term money and short-term gain, but terribly a long-term strategy. Because if I sell a lot of reviews to people through my group, what's going to happen in six months? My group's going to be all just dried up and all these accounts and buyer quality scores are going to go you know, out the bottom. And before you know it, I'm out of business. And I'm putting all my clients at risk or in danger. So it doesn't help anybody. So what we do is... Not FTC compliant to be able to sell reviews right there. Exactly. Like there's actually a law federally that you can get in trouble for. I mean, you're not messing around. This isn't just Amazon that that, that would be upset. It could be potentially a federal law. So I completely agree with that. So what we do is we have a product launch and ranking service. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when we invite people into our group from the rebate end, like the actual Amazon Prime customer... We want to make sure that that person is an average Amazon customer. Mm -hmm. There's a much different person between an Amazon customer and a deal seeker. We kind of say it like a negative thing, like it's a deal seeker, right? But it's true though. There there are people out there who are just 
all day long looking for good deals and Hey, I don't blame them, but their accounts get a little bit sour after a while and no one really wants them to buy their product. Right. So we're always looking for people with what we call the high buyer quality score, mm-hmm. which no one really knows what that means. There's no score out there. There's no like, Hey, he's a 10 or she's an eight that we just have to guess. Am I right? We're yeah. just guessing. So what we do is we look for people who have a very, very sparse review history. Mm-hmm. That tells us that that person isn't being paid to review other products. If they've reviewed one thing in the last two months, that's a good sign. And we look for people who just buy on Amazon like normal human beings. And that's the kind of people that I like to join my group. And then when they get into my group, I don't ruin that mm-hmm. characteristic. I don't change it. If they don't want to review anything, they don't have to. Mm-hmm. And we can maintain that buyer quality score. That's really interesting that you do that. So if I were to put myself in this potential like bucket, right, I can tell you I'm not an avid Amazon shopper especially since I moved to Mexico, it's actually hard for me to get items here in Mexico because they're primarily in the States. And when I was in the States, I was like maybe once a month, once every two months, I'd purchase something on Amazon that I felt was absolutely needed because I couldn't find it at a local store. When it comes down to my uh, review history, I'm like, I barely leave reviews. And if the product is something that I definitely like, yeah, I'll maybe when I get around to it, if I'm ever back on Amazon, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I can go leave a review like three months later. What I would like to know is that if you are breaking people down to like unique categories of their buying history over time, their uh, review history over time, and just letting that organic approach continue to happen. Yeah. So we don't break it down beyond the fact that we look at, are they reviewing a lot of product? I don't care if they buy once a month. I don't care if they buy once a day. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to get drones or robots into my group. I want normal variety of people. Mm -hmm. So you can't over-select people out because then everyone's like perfect, right? That's not a normal audience. A normal audience is tall, short, middle, fat, skinny, white, black, Chinese. That is your normal American audience, right? It's everything a variety. So the only thing that I look for is, are they a deal seeker? That's it. If they're out there just hustling and, and whoring themselves out for lack of a better word for, for a free product by giving reviews all day. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not interested in you joining my group, but outside of that, come on in. If you're a normal human being and you buy on Amazon once a week, once a month, once a year, you're welcome. Come on in. Perfect, man. It sounds because like that you... creates that normal audience. You see? Yeah, that definitely seems to create that normal audience. And I think that's what Amazon's obviously looking for because they know that there's a wide variety of demographics in the United States. And obviously yeah. it doesn't matter if it's uh, color-based, age-based or race-based, right? People are going to purchase this product if they want it and they see it as value in their life. What I think is going to be really interesting moving forward is when Amazon starts to roll out these unique branding pages where you have like the follow button and things like that, how you'll be able to build that audience on Amazon and how that will affect essentially businesses like yourself. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not even thinking ahead yet on that. And because with Amazon's new stuff coming out, it's hard to even predict when it's going to happen. And when it does happen, you don't know enough about it yet until it comes out. So it's hard to plan for it. With Amazon, I feel very neurotic. It's like, I just whatever's happening today, (laughs) not even tomorrow, whatever's happening today, I'm trying to be with it today. But one thing isn't going to change, Josh, is that Amazon needs to make money. Amazon cares about their pocketbooks. Mm -hmm. The house always wins. So ranking is all about Amazon's profits. Ranking is all about who converts the best. Let's give them the best shot. Let's give them the the biggest exposure because they make us the most money. They're not putting their worst sellers on the top of the feed. That's obviously for a reason. They're not doing it because they're socialistic. They're a profitable company, just like anybody else. 
So it's very based on who is making Amazon more money. So as long as that stays the way it is, which is never going to change because they're a for-profit company, we can always create momentum with a product by creating sales velocity by getting and then getting Amazon to favor that product. That is not going to change. So with the advent of all these unique ranking strategies, what have you seen to be the most successful over time? And what would you categorize as a failed product launch um, in, sure. in your experience? Okay. So number one, uh, part A of your question was, what is the most more successful ranking strategy? What mm-hmm. we found successful right now, and this could change tomorrow, is what we call the staircase or the ladder approach, which is basically ramping up the daily quantity for seven to 10 days, sometimes even up to 15 days, mm-hmm. plateauing for three to six days. Mm-hmm. So look at it like, you know, almost like a pyramid with a plateau. Right. And then slowly ramping the quantity back down. That gives time for the product to ascend, then maintain, and then organic sales to take over while the giveaways descend. If you go up, 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 what happens? Cliff. Yeah. (laughs) And if you go every day, five, 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 does Amazon think that's a little weird? This product sells five a day, every single day. For this keyword, I wouldn't call that very organic. And it's and it's honestly sounds like what you're actively doing is trying to mimic as much organic behavior on Amazon with ranking strategies than right. just trying to be this monotonous, consistent, we're only targeting five keywords. We're going to go after these. We're going to give a certain number of rebates or promotions a day at these. And we're hoping and praying and having our fingers crossed, assuming that these are going to convert. <laughs> and then great, we're here today on page one, position one for this keyword. And then we're gone tomorrow because we didn't have anything to replace that because we didn't uh, diversify enough. So why do most Amazon sellers fail? Is it because they don't use a staircase approach or is it because they don't really think of the long-term approach about this? I would say the number one reason why, people, why, why Amazon sellers fail is just lack of resources and knowing where to go to get help. That's the number one, right? Mm-hmm. That's just number one. Not knowing where to go to get assistance with certain things like product ranking and doing it all themselves and then imploding on themselves because no human being can do all this themselves. You, you know, Josh, how many people have you helped where they, there's like 800 parts to running an Amazon business. That's yeah. impossible, right? That's number one. I would say with a product launch, the number one reason why a product fails is a bad product. Number one, there's like, come on, let's be honest here. You can't save a piece of crap product from itself. <laughs> if it sucks, you can only inflate it for so long before that product finds a way to just take itself down. So that's number one. But I have a lot of, I've seen a lot of people with really, really good products Mm-hmm. and they're just not making any money. What gives? For that reason, it's obscurity. Mm-hmm. So they have a really good product. They're living on PPC. They're paying 5 to $6 a click. Organically, they're like number 100, 150, 200. They're nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. They have maybe 16 reviews, eight, you know, 74 reviews, and their competitors have 17,000 reviews. Okay, so how are you going to compete in that situation? That's tough, right? So Amazon is a game of inches, and I say this to all my clients. Every day, you have to do a little bit closer to getting to competing with that guy at 17,000 reviews. Every day, you got to be a little closer. You got to come up with a review strategy to get reviews, keep your reviews going up, velocity. You got to sometimes do search, find, buy to get your ranking up. You got to inflate your numbers until you really have them. You have to fake it until you make it. That's the whole idea. And then eventually, when you get maybe 100, 200 reviews, 300 reviews, oh, look, I have a little sales velocity on my own. Yay. You know, it's like I send my kid off to college. There he goes. Yeah. And then over time, that is going to build on itself, build on itself, build on itself. And it's kind of like nursing a kitten. You know, you just got to keep nursing it until it kind of runs off on its own and it can, it can hold its own weight. So 
there's no quick sprint to number one. It is a long game of inches and constant investing and tweaking. And that's why our agency has uh, relationships for life because I know people are going to need help tomorrow. They're going to need help in three months. They're going to need help next year. I'm going to be here for them when they do. And so is my team. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is what I've noticed about um, just working in the Amazon space is that Amazon itself as its own company has actually spawned off multiple other companies. And it's honestly has its own like unique economy based around Amazon for helping Amazon sellers get the results that they want to get on their platform. And I would like to know in your expert opinion, when a product fails and people try to essentially give it CPR and boost it back up, what do you see as the most beneficial re-ranking strategies? Is it the staircase model? Is it a different aspect? Like, how do you go about tackling that? Because I've had so many Amazon sellers come at, come at me and say, hey, Joshua, can you help me relaunch this product? And, you know, some of the products, I honestly will have to turn them down because they're, to me, just looking at the competitor analysis, it doesn't seem worth it for them. And it's going to be financially just dead weight. Yeah, I got to admit, there's, there's plenty of times where I, I go, if I did an analysis, I'd probably give them that CFO answer too, right? Hey, uh, you should cut the cord on this. You know, this is, this is a loser. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to also give people another try before we do that. I'd like to go, let's give this one more college try. Let's put some expert opinion in this thing. Let's look at your main mm-hmm. listing photos. Let's look at your price. Let's reevaluate this from another set of eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would say the best strategy is lower your price as low as humanly possible. Make sure your listing photos are converting, make sure they're selling. Okay. Don't be overly conservative with your, with your photos. People are so scared of being shut down by Amazon that their photos don't say anything. Their photos are boring. They don't sell. Come on. You got to sell a little bit here. You got to give a before and after here and there. You got to show that the acne is now gone. You have to show that, look, this guy stands up straight now and he didn't before. You have to do those with your photos, photos, price, and then picking the keywords that have the best chance for converting based on the, the titles, the bullet points, like the, you know, the main keywords. And then, yeah, giving away a bunch of product and getting the velocity back up. And if the price is right and the listing photos convert, you might be able to give that product a second chance. So are you also uh, going in and diving into the listing? Are you diving into the title? Are you taking care of some keywords on the back end, taking care of the A-plus content, all the other stuff? The amount of unpaid work that I do sometimes <laughs> I should start billing for all this stuff. And we do, we do sell things. We do obviously sell keyword indexing, keyword work and listing optimization of photos. But I give so much free advice because I want the campaign to succeed. I'm so invested in my clients. Even if they only give me $500 as a consulting fee for the entire campaign, I will spend hours with them to try to make sure that that thing succeeds because I just, I get so freaking emotionally invested in these campaigns. (laughs) (laughs) At times it almost... I, I know what that feeling's like. It almost seems like you care more about their success than they actually care about their success. But absolutely, you have to you have to have that that separation. You know, it's just like okay, if you're not going to put in, it's a relationship. Honestly, like if you're not going to meet me at the fifty yard line, what are we? What are we doing a song and dance for? So it's like put up or shut up. You know, that's that's <laughs> exactly. kind of my my viewpoint on it. And I go back to my original mission statement, which is I wanted to create an agency that was there for people. When I was an Amazon seller, I felt very alone. Mm-hmm. So I just I always want to keep that human one on one approach. My services are going to change over time. Things are going to change. Our platforms are going to change. Our dashboards are going to change. But the one thing I want it to be a constant is that we're always a Zoom call away all the time to help our clients. And we're not going to charge them every single 30-minute conversation we have with them. Okay, We're not attorneys. (laughs) So yeah, search, find, buy ranking is... It's funny because people are people are constantly thinking like 
we still doing that? Is that still a thing? Like, you know, because Amazon changes so quickly that it's like, yeah, we were doing that in 2018. I thought that would be gone by now. And it's like, actually it never went away. It still works really well. It's always been there because Amazon <laughs> a giant, a giant search algorithm since day one, even when it was selling books, you search for the book that you want, you find it, then you proceed to buy it. It's like their, their baseline model. It's like saying, so SEO is still a thing with Google. Like, is that still actually important that you're on page one instead of page 8,000? Yeah, that's still important. <laughs> I want I want to talk about the off the beaten path ranking strategies that either service providers or platforms or software or or agencies provide. What are your thoughts on black hat tactics and how have they changed over the years? Yeah, so the main thing that's changed over the years is review acquisition strategy. There's less and less black hat stuff. People are getting smarter thanks to groups like NDS people like Brandon Young, Seller Systems, who's really got, he's really level-headed and he really tells people, don't mess around with that crap, right? So there's less and less people out there looking for crazy ways to get ahead, which is good. Now, with that said, there's still your one, 2% out there who are doing crazy rank strategy and stuff like that. And I would say it's all short-term gain, but it's not a long-term business strategy. Like you have to run this like a company. You have to run this like you're being watched at all times because you are. I like to say everything is gray, in the middle. And it's hard to be totally white hat and get out of bed in the morning. It's really hard. It's really hard, especially when you see all the competition out there, Mm -hmm. but try to be as light gray as you can and don't hurt anybody and don't do anything reckless and stupid. And search fine by, in my opinion, is uh, a two out of 10 on that scale. It's a two out of 10. It honestly seems like the competitive nature of Amazon fuels the black hat industry, similar to the way that in competitive sports where one player wants to get ahead by taking PEDs. So yeah, exactly. It, it seems like one hand washes the other. And with, with that being the case, since Amazon's such a global economy, where does foreign marketplace interference actually factor into product launch strategies? Oh my God, massive. I, I know I answered that very quickly, but that's the first thing on my mind. It's the first thing on my mind. You know, you know, back in the 2015, when you started seeing, or 2016, where you started seeing like Chinese sellers come aboard and they were like selling stuff that you as an American seller couldn't sell for less than 15 bucks. And they were like 7.99. And you were like, you noticed the moment you went, oh my God, game over. Like, I remember having that, that epiphany of like game over, even though we're still playing the game here, we're still, we're still, we're still trying. Mm-hmm. It was a very game over moment, in my opinion, when you manufacturers could actually become sellers. How do you be a middleman? Mm-hmm. Ever again, if the manufacturer is the seller. Yeah, they're just it's cutting you out of the picture. Immediately cutting you out of the picture with your own product, even with your own formulations. They can mm-hmm. even like steal your formulations because it's overseas. You're not going to send a lawsuit to, to, to Shenzhen. Have fun with that. It was, no one's going to care. So my answer on that is there's a lot of American opportunity for American source products. Mm-hmm. And made in USA is a real thing. It's great. And people pride being American, pride selling Americans. And you should play the game of selling American because it's actually something people are looking for. But people are putting it on titles now. Uh, American sourced, made in USA. Um, mm-hmm. Skincare supplements are all made in America. Grocery is a massive, massive growth area. If you can start creating a grocery product, a, a new potato chip, a new popcorn, a new keto supplement, a new, a new keto product, that is something where you can have staying power on Amazon without the interference of the foreign markets. So with that being said, I, I do want to talk about this in a very 
unique way. Amazon has obviously changed over the years since you started and since when I started and now where we are in 2021. What do you see as the easiest and lowest barriers to entry when it comes to launching products on Amazon? What category would you summarize that in? Or what categories would you summarize that in? Lowest barrier entry is tough because I I think that sometimes the the harder categories to get into are the better categories to get into Mm -hmm. because of logistics. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like there's less people there. Grocery is a good a good example. If you're sourcing grocery products from Texas, there's not too many people who are like making their own grocery product and putting it on Amazon. So you're probably one of like maybe 30 sellers in that category. Mm-hmm. But getting that done of actually sourcing food products with expiration dates that are like, you know, concerned with hot and cold and temperatures and transportation is not easy. So if you're able to go through the harder process of getting on Amazon, where the harder barrier to entry is there, it actually has a bigger reward and bigger payout at the end. That's kind of a double-edged answer there. Yeah, I yeah. can definitely see how that could, obviously the the tighter the category, less sellers that you have in that category, the the less competition that you have to deal with over time. So you know that if you're in position 31, what do I have to get ahead to get to position 30 and, and continue that process over time? What I think is going to be interesting over time is obviously since last year with COVID, the IPI store restrictions, how has that affected product launching in 2020? Massive. 2021. Massive. But it's leveled, it's, it's leveled the playing field though. It, mm-hmm. it has. How so? There's no, well, there's no one that's not affected by IPI in a way. Like everyone's algorithm is, is, is averaging things out. And I don't have a client right now, no matter how big they are. I have a client that does 25 million a year on his Amazon account that was having really difficult time getting more than a thousand units into Amazon. Like what the heck that client out of all clients should not have that problem. Right. Mm -hmm. So everybody is limited to inventory issues. And Mm -hmm. what we're doing with that to combat that is again, three PL three PL logistics is really important. I have clients shipping out of their own warehouses. I have clients shipping out of their own home. And they're just shipping to Amazon every day. And here's, let me give a shout out to search find buy. We're actually helping clients with their IPI by creating that artificial sales velocity. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is we do the launch. They're only allowed 800 units or 400 units. We give away 200 units by day seven. Oh, light on. Now we can send in another 500 units that Amazon said you're cleared because you're obviously selling product. So search find buy can actually help you get more products sent into Amazon. You just have to have a 3PL or somewhere close by that can ship those in right away when, when you're ready. Or you just have to have a, a big enough garage and uh, enough debt. <laughs> several kids. Yeah, or, that, or like a really good like VW bus, either one, right? Or like, you know, maybe an RV, something like that. Just make sure you're ready. Yeah, if you have a, if you have a large family, put the kids to work. Hopefully it's summer vacay and just like, hey, Let's go. And you want to earn some money? We're going to do it the hard way. You're going to stuff boxes and put stickers on stuff. We're, we're about to ship some stuff out. So going, yeah, that's right. Exactly. With three PLs being so important and the product, product launch factor, especially when it comes to new Amazon sellers, with the restrictions on that, how do they manage to maneuver that and also keep their finances in place to be able to order new inventory? Because some Amazon sellers are, especially when they're starting out, they're still coming in with this mindset that if I have $5,000 in my bank account, I can become a millionaire in a year. (laughs) Right. And obviously it's laughable. We've both been in that that position. I've had several products fail on my own. How do you maneuver that for your clients? Or how do you just like take the the horse blinders off of them? Mm, I feel like the horse blinders come off very quickly on their own, <laughs> you know, by the, by the time my clients come to me, they're usually like, they got bruises on their face. 
You know what I mean? They're like, oh my God, I've gone through hell and I've invested 80 grand and stuff like that. But I would say a lot of it can be solved with sourcing a product at the right price and realizing that it has to sell also at the right price. Mm -hmm. Do you remember kind of back in the day, we, we, we could retail a product for 10, buy it for $2 and 50 cents. Remember those days? And then like you would factor in $2 and 50 cents for like PPC costs. And you'd be like, all right, I'm going to make like $3 a unit. I remember those calculations where it was like 25% for PPC, 25% for margin. You can't do that anymore because you have three PL costs. You have shipping costs, you have tariffs from overseas. So now if you're going to buy something at two, you better sell it for at least 1799 <laughs> to like account for all that financial stuff that has to do with it. So the answer is this, get a product that makes more margin, but make the product your own and make it unique enough and make the branding so freaking good that you're able to get that price. That's the key. Take your branding and marketing to the next level. I have a client that sells in men's beauty, men's beauty. I, who would have thought that paradox is a thing. It's a, it's a growing category, men's beauty. Us men, we like to be beautiful, right? I remember last year when we launched our first product together, he launched it for $38. And I was like, you're nuts. No one's going to pay $38 for some skin cream, especially dudes. Like not going to happen. $8, $12. That's more like it. A year later, the dude's doing seven figures. Every single product he's launched, which is half a dozen now is profitable. Every single one of them. And he's still selling everything from between 32 and $40 because his branding and his packaging is so awesome. Yeah. It's such a good job at adding value that I went, he's like the little, he's like the Gucci of Amazon, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the solution is making an incredibly good quality looking feeling everything about your product has to be top notch. Then you can actually make some real money on Amazon. And I'm sure that he's doing, he's absolutely killing it when it comes to his photography, because men's beauty you are, you definitely have to show before and after you're obviously yeah. selling the image of this is where you are. This is where, this is what you'll look like. I can tell you like this, man, on Facebook, I'm definitely getting targeted by Lumen, which is uh, yeah. men's, men's skincare treatment system, whatever it may be. But what I find really interesting about that is that in his unique case, he's obviously sourcing products from America, because if you're going to sell yeah. anything, beauty, no, 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 Korea, because Korea really? is the number one source of beauty products in the world. Okay. Learn something new. So in Korea is high quality. It's not cheap. Like we're talking, you know, Korea is not the same price point as China. Mm -hmm. So when you're buying something from Korea, you're not doing it to get a deal. You're doing it because you want the best because they are the best at skin cream. So then it definitely goes into a logistics factor when it comes into uh, the Me Too products on the Amazon marketplace, right? So do you want the cheapest or do you want the best? And how are you going to compete? Obviously, if you're getting the best product, what do we need to do to maintain that we're the best and convey that we're the best? And how does this all tie into product ranking over time? Really good question. The answer is the cheapest is impossible. It's done. That game is over. Yeah. Um, if you're not a manufacturer, you're not going to sell it for the cheapest. So don't play it. Mm-hmm. If you're over there literally like hand molding things, okay, maybe you can play that game. But I don't know anybody that's actually making their own product, right? So the answer is all that's left is the best. That's it. That's all that's left. You have to be the best. You have to look like you're the, the highest end. Mm -hmm. You have to have the best reviews. You have to have the best photography, the best Photoshop work. Everything about your product has to be incredibly sexy and sell better than anybody else. And then you can get that premium of 10 to $15 and, and not play the game against the overseas markets. Mm -hmm. So that is the answer. And it costs more money. It just does, man. $5,000 ain't going to play that game. You got to come in with a lot of money, big investment, and 
You got to be able to put your money into everything. You have to be meticulous about your photography. You have to be meticulous about your listing. And that takes money. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of money. And we can definitely go down the wormhole of like funding sources and what. <laughs> how to actually even get started in, in the Amazon game. What I think is uh, unique about this particular client that you're talking about is obviously they put a lot of time, energy, and effort into it. Is that yep. time, energy, and effort conveyed into a different launching strategy when it comes to Amazon? Like, are they going to need to do as many rebates or as many giveaways or, yep. or, or, or is it just going to be like a whole lot less since the quality of their product is even better than everybody else? It obviously should stand out from the crowd. Um, I would imagine that they'd actually have to do less versus more. I wouldn't know because this person's listened to me from day one and they, he's always done everything I told him to do. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> some people, some people take 5% of my advice and I don't blame them. But mm -hmm. He took every single thing I told him to do. Every product launch was search fine by. We always hit at least eight keywords. Mm -hmm. He used my quantum launch service, which I haven't even talked about yet, which can help you get reviews. Mm -hmm. So he always gets his early stage reviews. We got systems in place for automatic review acquisition from happy customers. We have everything in place because you can't rest on your laurels. Even if you're making $20 a unit, you still have to put the work in. So I don't think it propels itself because it's a really, really amazing product. I feel like you have more money to play with to do all that extra stuff with the units you're selling. That's the difference. So if he sells a thousand units, he has more money to play with than a guy who's playing at the bottom of the scale price mm -hmm. point, that guy's got a dollar 50 to play with. So what's that guy going to do with his photos? What's that guy going to do with his rank strategy? He's going to be cheap, 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 cheap. Cause he makes a buck 50. So that's, what's great about selling expensive products and doing a really, really good job at it is when you hit your stride, you do have money for your marketing budget mm -hmm. to do all these kind of things. I can see how that could be beneficial. I think one of the things that needs to be discussed, especially when it comes to product ranking, especially with rebates and giveaways or whatever kind of service that goes out into the ethos of the Amazon sphere is the efficacy of these services. Like a lot of people, a lot of Amazon sellers, they'll say to your face, like, Hey, don't do this, but behind closed doors, they're actively doing that. Or Amazon will say, it's like, we really don't endorse these kind of strategies. What are your thought points on something like that? <laughs> Let's just say, um, behind closed doors, everybody, everybody has their morals and ethics, right? Mm -hmm. And no one's going to admit publicly that they're doing anything that is black hat or doing anything that's a little odd. And I don't blame them. I have a public facing business and all my services I have to promote. So I can't really have something different that I'm delivering in the back end than I promote in the front end. Mm -hmm. But I find that there's a lot of gurus out there that say one thing, but when I talk to them on the side, they're doing something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I would take good advice hold on to it, do something with it. But when it comes to people's morals and them talking down at certain things, I would kind of take with a grain of salt and just go with your gut <laughs> as to like what you think is right or wrong and mm -hmm. trust your own judgment. So what does it take for an Amazon seller to actually be successful on Amazon in 2021? Coming in from the gate, like never, never started a product ever in their life mm -hmm. from zero. Yeah. From zero, no experience, I really, a bunch of money saved up assuming that they have like all their debt paid off and you're just like, look, man, I'm tired of working my nine to five. This thing sucks. What, what does it take? I would say there's two ways you can look at it. If you're coming in because you are from an industry that you have resources and access to that will give you a good product. Mm -hmm. I have a client that owns a steel company. Mm -hmm. He makes his own products it's in the barbecue space, mm -hmm. steel 
griddles, things like that, pants. Yeah. So that's the kind of guy I'd go, okay, you're a perfect candidate for Amazon because you own a steel company. You can formulate your own products. You have the finances to do it. That would be a winner that I'd say would be a perfect person to come into Amazon. Mm-hmm. Another would be someone who can really, like on the other side, someone who can pour over the data. If you're like data geek, you've done really well with crypto. You've done really well with investments. Mm-hmm. You're actually the kind of personality that would do very well with finding niches on Amazon mm-hmm. and exploiting them. And I actually have clients like that too, who are just total data geeks and they will come in. They were the first ones to sell PPE. They were the first ones to sell rubbing alcohol. You know what I mean? They were, they were there before anybody else. And those are really successful Amazon sellers too. So there's really two type of sellers that I think succeed in today's age, the data geek and the one that already had an offline strategy they come in with leverage because of that organizational connections that they already have. Those mm-hmm. are the two. Yeah. So somebody that's already has entrepreneurial endeavors or somebody that hangs out in wall street bets all day and yeah, totally messes around with, uh, with hedge funds. Those are the, those are the kind of people that you definitely want. So obviously those are my favorites. Off, off the beaten those path. Are my favorite. These aren't, these aren't your mom and pops from uh, the 1950s that, you know, yeah. came out of college and bought a house or something like that. You know, I feel like there is a space for them in Amazon, but it, chances are they'd have to run themselves through the mud in order to understand what it actually really takes. Because again, I've had several products fail on Amazon and it definitely can be exhausting. But when you reap the, the, the fruits of your labor, it's just like a night and day difference. It almost gives you that, it gives you that glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel. So you don't have to feel so alone in this space. Exactly. People are going to fail. They're going to fail. Everyone has a hero product. I haven't seen anybody who doesn't. Everybody has one or two heroes. So if you're making a million dollars a year, you got one product selling 600 of it, right? That's just very common. And then they have six other products that are selling the other 400,000. So if anyone out there feels like, why do I only have one really great product? Realize you're not alone. <laughs> okay. I've seen a lot of it. And another thing is you, you could have thought everything through and it still fails. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Just, you know, it's just, it's okay. Just like the stock market, you could swear that that market's going to go down and you're going to short it and then you lose your butt and you were wrong. You didn't see something. It happens. You have to kind of be willing to be calloused and take some bruises and take some hits to stay in the game long enough to get that hero product that'll propel you for And that might be your first product, might be your 10th product, okay? And that's why the data geek wins because the data geek will be faster to get to the hero than everybody else. That's the big difference. The data geek will figure it out quicker. And then the strategy guy, the guy that came in from the steel mill that has connections in the industry, or the person who already owns a manufacturing facility, they can just kill everybody by price because they have the logistics worked out. So it's either intelligence in regards to like the stockbroker type, or it's just the person who already has the strategic edge. Everyone in the middle, which is probably the other 90% on Amazon, they're having a hard time. The struggle is real. Yeah. So with that struggle being real, when does somebody know, uh, like in your estimation of dealing with clients, when have you ever actively told a client's like, look, you honestly should just throw in a towel off of the, uh, on this product because you are going to hemorrhage cash. Your business is already on red. You know, why, why are you continuing to throw money at this? Would you say it's stubbornness or would you say that they're almost at that precipice where if they fix this product, it could change their entire business? Like, how do you go about evaluating that when it comes to uh, ranking strategies or re-ranking strategies? It's funny enough because I've actually told like three or four people in the last year, you need to actually take it out back and shoot it. Like I say it that way. I don't want to, I don't want to mince words. Take that product outside, get some dynamite and blow it up because 
that's the best thing you can do. Maybe someone will feel the warmth from it and get something out of it. And they're like, ha 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 ha. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. This product is going to ruin your life. Get rid of it. None of them listened to me, which is interesting. They just kept going. I think it's kind of like the Vegas mentality. You go into, you go into a casino with a thousand bucks, three hours later, you're down negative 2000 and you, and you're, and you're at the blackjack and you're just waiting for that hand to get you back to positive a thousand. So you can walk out of there, break even, but it never happens. Five in the morning, six in the morning, you're now you're down $8,000. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's honestly sad. Hey, you're asking the depressing questions, man. I'm hey, just trying to know. give you the truth over here. I'm no, trying to you're, tell hey, you the you're, truth. You're, 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 you're putting it out there. So obviously <laughs> with that, you know, I'm telling people that, hey, you should pull the plug on it. When yeah. have you ever seen a client that has come to you? And when we're going to do the inverse of this question, where they haven't launched a product, but they want you to help them evaluate it to see how well it's going to do in the marketplace. How do you go about Oh, God. I mean, on a weekly basis. I mean, I, I get... We're, we're launching products every single day. We're, we're doing, a, I think, one product launch a day right now, every day, which is awesome. Someday it'll be 10 a day, but right now it's about one a day. And each one of those looks at me like, you got any advice before, you know, before we uh, start spending money on this thing? Mm -hmm. What I'm amazed by is most of them are, are pretty educated these days. A lot of them are inner circle members. A lot of them are MDS members. A lot of them have already launched 10, 12, 13 products. And they surprise the hell out of me. They came in and they go, okay, so uh, these 16 keywords, they have a search volume, the BSR competitors price point. I think I'll make 16.4% margin on these. I'm like, okay, you got your stuff figured out. But at the end of the day, they still want a separate pair of eyes on it. And I always go, you know, I see all your data, but your second listing photo kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. And I like to show the obvious, like you really did a good job with your data research and all this kind of stuff. But you kind of forgot about that listing photo. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so I'll help them out. They'll switch it out and then we'll launch. It's always, okay. it's always something like that. A little tweak. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I've definitely noticed that in, in my private line of work before uh, being with a late seller that, you know, always having that second set of eyes is better. And even when I do my own work, you know, somebody's yeah. looking at it and it's like, Hey, give me, give me feedback on this. How can I improve this? Do you see any errors? Are there any corner cases is that I, that I forgot to dot an I or cross a T what I think is going to be the most interesting is ranking strategies moving forward. So what do you foresee mm. as a ranking strategy moving forward? Is search find buy always going to be on top or is it going to switch more to PPC? Is it going to switch more to having that branded feel? Is that what's going to be the future of ranking strategies? Ah, oh, man, that's tough. Seeing it in the future. Look into I don't think. Call, man. Look into the yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you the future. I would say search find buy can't go away. It might change. The process might change, but Maybe you have to be craftier in a couple of years. Maybe you got to, maybe, maybe your, your buyer pool has to be replaced more often or something, mm -hmm. but you're always going to have Amazon's pocketbook is what, what all that matters. So you have to have the higher converting product and you have to sell more to be at the higher position. I just don't see that changing. What other things might change people are getting into like offline bringing, you know, driving traffic from Google, driving traffic from Pinterest, referral links affiliate link. I see all these complications and things coming in. People want me to do, and we'll do them. I'll do it. If someone says, Hey, you know, I really want to try this Google thing. Let's throw 200 giveaways at it. I will do it. I will happily do it. I, I'm not, a, I'm not an egotistical person. I go, let's give it a try. I'm happy to see if it works. But a lot of those things I found have come and gone and stuff that I was seeing last year is already not, it's already gone. Like mm -hmm. people tried it and it didn't work. And the one constant is search, find, buy and purchase. That's the one constant that hasn't changed. And if you can do it without a link and you can do it organically, you can go on the Amazon app 
like 87% of Amazon customers do. And you can search keywords, long tail usually, and go and find the product, look at it, read the reviews, look at the photos, and be as close to a normal human being customer as you can. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think you'll succeed if you can create that momentum several hundred times and get to the top and get some reviews out of it. I think that's a winning combination that's here to stay for a little while at least. Honestly, I have a feeling that's going to stay for more than just a little while because that's just mimicking the natural organic behavior patterns of human beings. And especially when you have human beings doing that, like I've actually spent hours, if excuse me, not just hours, like months and years trying to build chatbot sequences that do something similar to that. And still, some people will just like, they'll try to shortcut the process that, you know, they won't totally. wait to get a reminder. They'll already have an order ID. And I was like, dude, just follow the instructions, follow the prompts, man. Just follow the prompts or something like yeah. that. Human yeah. beings are going to be human beings. Yeah. You know, and especially if they've already have their own ingrained patterns and way of doing it, they're just going to naturally continue to do that. You know, it's kind of like teaching an old dog new tricks, but somehow you've managed to master the art of doing that with your unique group of people that you've curated over time and get them yeah. go through that. Well, we, well, we train them all. We train everybody. Everyone has to go through a training module. So all of our, all of our uh, buyers have to be trained on how to avoid sponsored ads. What's the importance of adding to cart best time of day search, how, how one letter in a search changes everything. Mm-hmm. How they have to get it exactly right. So mm-hmm. they come in completely green. These people are like, I don't know. I just buy my toilet paper on Amazon. I don't know anything else. Great. That's perfect. So let's train you into someone who can help my client rank. Let's make you a little soldier. You know what I mean? I can help my client rank. And then in March or May, we added quantum launch service, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother thing that we do where we, after they search fine buy for like usually 14, 21 days, we invite them into a secret Facebook group with the owner of the brand. Mm-hmm. And then I give the owner of the brand exclusive access with them for, for three weeks. That's and I cool. go, look, do what you want to do with these people. Find out if they like it. Find out if they hate it. See if their dog died. See if the dog loved it. You know, like engage with your audience. This is your chance to have a trial drug and have people take that drug and see if they had the right effects on it. You see, it's kind of like a little test environment and that's going really, really well. So that's actually completely different because I've, I've definitely seen where Amazon sellers have their own private Facebook group that's specifically branded in one unique capacity. And then they have another group that is strictly their quote unquote search find buy group, their deal seekers. And obviously one group is used specifically for quote unquote ranking manipulation, review manipulation, just so that they can get that, that algorithmic boost or the ranking juice or review juice that they need. But it sounds like you're going from it from a completely different approach. And it's like, hey, we actually want you to try this product out. We want your feedback on it. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you like it? I've definitely had the other aspect of it where people just reach out to me and they say, hey, I just want X amount of reviews for X amount of rebates that I give out. And I was like, you cannot have a one-to-one parallel. That's obviously (laughs) going to send the worst possible signals to Amazon. You're going to destroy your business overnight. How, How did that come to creation for you? And why do you see that as beneficial for ranking strategies? Well, I wanted to give my client that second part. The first mm-hmm. part is ranking with a new launch. But mm-hmm. we're just talking launch here. I'm mm-hmm. not talking existing products with a bunch of reviews. Mm-hmm. I, I realize that if you're launching a brand new product, you spent six months formulating it or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming in from, from China, it's coming in from wherever, and you're you just made this beautiful little shiny bottle of whatever the heck you're selling. You don't really know if people like it. So if we're gonna do search find buy and I'm gonna have 300 people buy the product. Why don't we find out from those 300 people what they thought? Mm-hmm. So we actually tell our people, you need to engage with the brand owner. Mm-hmm. It's your job. You got a free bottle of goo for 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Your one job is to then engage with the brand owner. If they say, 
did anyone here like it? Did it, was it a good sunscreen? Did it handle your eczema? Did it, did it answer? So they do. And it's amazing to see. I, I'm getting screenshots on a weekly basis of these groups and people just showing videos and like sharing with the brand owners. Some people are saying, you know what, this is actually not working really well. It, it tastes horrible. And my clients are saving thousands of dollars finding out now before their product's been live for a year and has 3.5 stars on Amazon. <laughs> right. So the quantum launching service is and here's another thing. We have so many new members coming to our group every single day that every one of these Facebook groups is a totally different group of people. Never the same group twice. Okay. okay? Where if you're a brand and you create your own group, come on, how big is that group going to be? It's just your products. Yeah. Like maybe 800 people because we have constant products moving through the shop every single day. We can always have brand new blood for our, our brand owners to talk to. Well, with that being said, we'll wrap up this call. We have Ian Page right over here. Ian with Bullseye Sellers. Thank you for being another guest on the Elite Seller Show. How can people get a hold of you? They can find you on Facebook. They can find you. Where, where, can, where can people find you? Smoke signals usually work. Bat, like, you know, the bat call, the Batman call. Oh, yeah. That's all good, too. A lot of people will find me on Facebook Messenger. I'm pretty uh, easy to chat to there. Mm -hmm. And then another place is by email, which is Ian at bullseyesellers.com. And that's not spelled with two I's. Okay. It is the right way to spell Ian. I-A-N. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Elite Seller Show. Again, Joshua Porter here, the host of the Elite Seller Show. Head on over to www.eliteseller.com. Try out our 14-day free trial. Make sure you put in the code word JOSH15 and you can select your plan. You just apply it right there, start right away. And we want you to start running your Amazon business like the CEO that we know that you are. Thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. Thank you.